Welcome back to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, brought to you by Be Local Georgia. I'm Nathan Stuck, and I'm passionate about amplifying the voices of the amazing leaders surrounding the B Corp community in the Southeast who are showing how making a profit and making a difference aren't mutually exclusive ideas. Today, there are more than 4,000 B Corps across 75 countries and 150 industries, unified by one common goal, transforming the global economy to benefit all people communities, and the planet. If you want to learn how to plug into our purpose-driven business community alongside the inspiring leaders we feature on this show, check us out at BeLocalGeorgia.com, and we'll hope to meet you at our next events. I'm your guide, Nathan Stuck, and today you'll have the opportunity to learn from Dr. Valencia Bell, the founder of Schools. Schools, which stands for Success Can Happen Out of Low Scores, is an organization preparing students for standardized tests by building the capacity of the learner's individualized educational strategies. Dr. Bell has a passion for reducing education debt and increasing the earning potential of students. You'll hear her story of going from a student athlete to realizing the significance of the ACT test, school's mission to eradicate intergenerational poverty caused by student loan debt, and her journey as the first BIPOC female-owned B Corp in Alabama, and only the second overall B Corp in the state. Dr. Bell's story highlights how a clear mission and dedication to social impact can create meaningful change within communities and help pave the way for more businesses to follow suit. Stay tuned as we explore her incredible journey. Dr. Valencia Bell, welcome, welcome to Be The Change Georgia. Excited to finally have you on and talk all things not all things ACT B Corp Alabama Georgia all the things so welcome to the show awesome thank you so much for the invitation can't wait to talk about all things B Corp yeah and ACT Prep well and ACT Prep yeah before we even get into the B Corp stuff why don't we uh let you tell the listeners who you are and what schools is what they do and your crazy mission to change the world one kid at a time Well, schools of success can happen out of low scores. And our mission as a benefit corporation is actually to eradicate intergenerational poverty from student loan debt with one test score. So by helping students to raise their ACT scores five to 10 points and their SAT scores 100 to 200 points, whether they're a scholar or a scholar athlete, we can position students to be able to attend college with no debt, all the way through their terminal degrees and actually set up financial estates for them from their academic refund checks. So we're making millionaires without NIL deals, just from academics. Where were you when I was going to college is my next question. (laughs) Probably doing the same thing. We weren't supposed to meet until we did, but yeah, we've helped about 250,000 students right now. And, They've been awarded about $250 million worth of scholarships. So if you look at it from the positive standpoint, $250 million plus dollars. If you look at it from deficit, that's $250 million of student loan debt that did not have to be signed for and still paid for over 30 years with interest. And I mean, and and probably some of that, not even in student loan debt, in, I don't want to say lost opportunity and students that probably just were going to make the decision not to go to college. Absolutely, because um, 
right, we were doing a study right in the middle of COVID, but literally there are 71 million students in the U.S. who are 18 and under, and 56% of those students have to take out a financial loan in order to meet their college or career readiness um, opportunity. So you're looking at 41 million students who have to make the decision on whether they want to advance based on their ability to fund their dream. Yeah. I mean, I know it factored into my call. I mean, not that I'm upset that I ended up at Georgia. They gave me an academic scholarship, but I do think about so many schools that I applied to where my parents are like, you should apply. Like you're not, there's no way we can afford to go there. Absolutely not. I totally agree. I mean, when you're having students to go back and have these conversations with their parents, like, hey, mom, I only need you to borrow 85000 for four years. After that, I might come out with a job that makes $50,000 a year. So I'm not going to really pay you back for that 300 plus that you took out. But yeah, that's what I need called a parent plus loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's right. Because I mean, and that's where that, that, intragen- that intragenerational poverty comes in of there's no, there's no way, there's no way out when college costs that much. Absolutely no way out because what happens is the parents have probably already taken out loans for themselves, which means that they've maxed out. The student has to have a co-signer if they're under 18, which means Mima or grandma and grandpa, if they can't second mortgage their home, are going to sign for their grandchildren to continue their education. And those loans have to be paid back six months after their last class, whether they graduate or not. So if little Johnny doesn't graduate, then you don't even have the economic uh, advancement that should have come out of earning that degree. But the bill is still there for 30 years plus interest. Mm. The bill is still there. So, so let's talk about this. Like, How did you... I mean, you've been recognized. You've like your methodologies won awards. You've been recognized. I've known you now for geez, it feels like it's been like years and it's literally been like a year. Um, but how did you know like the like ACT tests, like helping students prepare for this test is my calling? And I know we I mean you shared a story with us during the planning session that like honestly this this started when you were and I'm gonna embarrass you a little bit when you were like a 12-year-old high school freshman? Yes, you have embarrassed me. Oh, yeah, it's so embarrassing that you were that yes, smart right? that you were in high school at 12. There's a whole there's a whole that story part. that we're not even going to get to unpack on this podcast that I just teased there a little bit. I'm like, when you were a 12-year-old high school freshman. That part. No, so actually, I had, I've been running track since I was five years old and was blessed to be on the junior Olympic team um, as an AAU student and actually did start high school at the age of 12. So I had a coach who told me how important the ACT was. And so I took the ACT in middle school. Um, They have programs like that still, like the Duke Tip program, these early identification programs. So I took the ACT strictly because my coach said I could not get on the van with the big girls who were being recruited if I was not able to be recruited. And so I didn't have a score. And so I was just really blessed to make a 26 on my first run without prep at all. Just got dropped off, no snacks, a pencil calculator. And he said, I'll pick you back up at 12 because you have to run at 1.30. So when I went to my high school, which was an international baccalaureate high school, shout out to Murphy High School in Mobile, Alabama. Um, it was really interesting because when I, I met, went to varsity athletics, 
you know, I still had two pigtails. I mean, I was 12 years old. I still had my baby doll in my back of my backpack, but that's a hundred story. And uh, I remember going to varsity athletics and <laughs> I turned around and all I remember was like my head being in the middle of a jersey. Like he was really that big. And he goes, hey, are you that girl that like made a like really hard score on this test? And I was like, how do you know me? And of course, I'm just going to say yes to whatever you say, because you're three times as big as I am. And uh, he's like, I need some help. I need to make a 16 so that I can go to school. And I said, oh, no worries. And we just, you know, organically had a friendship for there, ended up prepping him. He got the score, well exceeded the score that he needed and went to a D1 school, then went on to the NFL. I then was blessed to do his children. Now we're working on his grandchildren. But for me, I think that was the first time that I realized how important the score was because for me, it was never a question of if I was going to college, it was more so when. But for many students, that one score would determine whether or not they got to advance economically. That would have been the end because for many students, sports was their only way to go to school. It wasn't academics and athletics. It was, I have to have athletics as my way out. And so, you know, many, many students after that, just seeing the effect that it had on his family. I mean, this is a student who was living in public housing that because of that score, literally four years later had a $68 million NFL contract changed the trajectory of his entire family. Like trying to figure out the years. I'm like, I think I know who this might be. Um, <laughs> you do, but I will never say. I've got plenty of stories like that, but I will never nope, say. I would never ask you to. So, no, I, I mean, I, and I love hearing all of those stories. And even for just the, you know, you also run a program with nursing students. I'm getting to nursing school. I mean, it's not just that. I, when I first met you, it was like, that gets all the attention is the fact that you, that you, or like the athlete whisperer that is able to. And I told somebody that story the other day and said, Oh, they sent him in the back. And I'm like, no, they don't take like, no, this is a legit prep. Like this isn't the, like the mythical where somebody takes the test for them. It is a, there are simple strategies um, that you can employ and not just strategies, but just how to take the test, how to approach the test. Like you said, how to have snacks of the test, when to take the test so that you can take it again um, how early your score is good for when to start prepping. Like there's so much more that even I, I took it once and went, that's good enough. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you could go take it again. I just took it and went, ah, it works. That's sheer shock on my face. Like what? Okay. But even, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you think that, but guidance counselors don't know this stuff. A lot of the coaches don't know this stuff. So, um, it's, it's amazing to think though, of what happened of just you taking that test and then you kind of like, volunteering to help somebody became became your calling and honestly it goes back to that coach who kind of told you like you're going to take this test um absolutely and it's very funny because people always say well how do you feel about educational equity and you know you're able to level the playing field and what i tell people many of the students i work with they may have been signed up for the team but they don't know that they have a jersey they don't know that they're supposed to go to practice they don't know that they have transportation to the field so your expectation of leveling a field that they don't even know exists is kind of a misnomer. Like the things that you're saying right now, like so many students that I work with, 
didn't know that they could have started. We started ACT prep in the third grade. They didn't know they could test that early. They didn't know they could take the ACT 12 times. They absolutely didn't know about the PSAT so that they become national merit scholars. And they definitely didn't know they could take the SAT as many times as they needed to, to super score to a perfect score. But when you talk about the economic impact that that score can make, some of those students that I work with or that are sent to me as referrals are one point away from having a full ride, fully paid scholarship. And they find out too late for us to be able to get them the type of scholarships that they would get coming out of high school. We still work with those students and sometimes we're able to fund, you know, their sophomore, junior and senior years. So they're only paying maybe 80,000 versus 350,000. But what if we could have social impact where no student had to pay for school? And when they actually graduated with their degree, they were able to come into the workforce and spend all of the money that they would like to spend helping the economy of our society and not worrying about 60 or 70% of their income going to a student loan debt. Yeah. Or you think about down payments on a house, all those things that create generational wealth as well that, you know, that had, yeah. I mean, unless you're making, you know, unless you get that professional athlete money, like you're not buying a house, especially now it's even harder um, to come out and, and, do the things that our parents taught us to do when we graduated of saving money, invest in your, buy a house and that's the best investment. Now you look at it and you're like, is it? Um, or yeah, I'm sure it is, but <laughs> good luck. So um, how did your, like we talked a little bit about personal experience and just you on the track team, taking this test, kind of discovering this, but how did your personal experiences and your values and kind of some of your upbringing? And, and I know your grandmother was very influential on you, but how did some of that shape your mission? Um, and then I want to get into the B Corp thing a little bit too, but let's talk a little bit about your background and your mission and then getting into like the why B Corp. So my grandmother, Edith Louise Mitchell, uh, belated, of course, um, started the first nursing school for African-Americans in Mobile, Alabama, which is now affiliated with Bishop State Community College. And so very early on, believe it or not, I understood. I came from, I tell people, a standardized test prep aware home. Like my parents, my grandparents were already like, okay, what are you thinking about doing? What's your terminal degree look like? These are the tests that you have to take. There's a terminal degree. There's a standardized test for everything. People don't believe that. But even if you wanted to work in a service profession, you're going to have to take some basic math competency test. So my grandmother, um, people used to be so worried about the NCLEX and boards at the end of nursing school. But my grandmother was the one who started to see this shift where people were beginning to not allow students to advance to upper division of nursing school if they didn't have an 18 prior to her passing away. And so, you know, it was very interesting that many of these students had been med techs in the military, could save your life. Some of these people had been LPNs for 20 years when it wasn't a requirement for them to have an 18 on the ACT in order to graduate from high school or to join the military. And so the Edith Mitchell Health Initiative is our nonprofit. And I literally just started to give away ACT prep to people who needed an 18 in order to advance to upper division. Now that doesn't, do, doesn't just affect nursing students, that's pre-vet students. That's any student that is in any type of healthcare, be it with humans or, you know, animals, because 
they have to be able to show competency. And so it was at the point where literally at one nursing school that we volunteered, they had 888 applicants for upper division and only 40 people were able to get an 18 or higher. So those were only 40 people that moved to nursing upper division. And this was during COVID. So if you can imagine, we have a nursing shortage and what was stopping the nursing corps from moving forward wasn't their healthcare competencies, was the fact they couldn't get an 18 on the ACT. So I think my grandmother's influence on, on health equity, like I don't separate social services, healthcare, and education. It's just the same human that needs the same ability to move forward. Um, we started literally just giving away scholarships, which then became, gosh, you know, you're doing social impact. And then I didn't even know, you know, goal-based learning for social impact was a thing. Like we were just doing it because it was necessary and was blessed to be a part of a program called Alabama Launchpad. Uh, we won the social impact seed round in December. That's how I learned about benefit corporations. We had won a lot of global social impact awards like um, the inaugural Wharton Knowledge for Impact Award. We had won these awards for EgTech from ASU GSV being an elite 200 company. But it wasn't really until I started to do research on benefit corporations that I realized that I could stay true to my mission and vision and that there was an entire community of people who really were serious about doing good, not just because of the economic gains of saying that they were doing good, but literally living out the mission and vision of the work that they were doing. And so that was super exciting to me. I was like, there is a place where people like can actually be who they are and authentically present what they were doing. And that was my whole mission and vision for going through all that is the BIA assessment because it is a lot of work. But um, just knowing that I had the support behind me and now that I've finished the B Corp certification process, realizing the responsibility that I have to share that with other businesses that are doing good to encourage them to go through the process as well. Yeah, no, it's... Um... Well, even working with you on it, there's definitely like, you know, I, I think what everybody doesn't realize is how helpful it is in, in getting you organized too, and like measuring that, like, what is my, I mean, you had a lot of those metrics, but like, I mean, even we went through and went back and forth on, should we be looking at zip codes? Should we be looking at, is it a title one school? Is it a, you know, and even trying to, you know, explain working with the analysts to understand, like, there's not a lot of difference between zip code and title one school. Um, like, so, you know, shame, shameless plug to Nathan and profitable consulting. Profitable purpose consulting. Don't worry. Nobody gets it right. Purpose consulting. Da, 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 da. Uh, without them, I absolutely would not have completed the BIA assessment. I can say that with all clarity and truth, because it is a lot of work, but he, I mean, I think that you are very right in that having an outside source verify and challenge what you think is important as opposed to a standard and a metric means the world to me because like an ACT prep there is no standardization so anybody can say that they're an ACT prep provider 
And I see hundreds of thousands of parents who invest hundreds of thousands of dollars and don't get a score increase at all. And there's absolutely nothing I can do about it because there's no standard. Whereas in the B Corp land, you know, when you say that you are a certified B Corp, that means something to people who really understand that and to people who do not even understand what the certification is about to be able to send them to a website that says, this is a process that I went through. This is how strenuous it was. And these are the standards that I have to uphold and I have to recertify. It just, it's not a blanket, oh, you're a B Corp forever. So if I stop living the mission and the vision that I said that I was doing during the last certification, I could lose my certification. And so that's amazing to me to be able to send people to be, I was like, see, here's the link. This is who we are. Well, I- and it's true, though, because, I mean, we do live in a day and age now, too, where, I mean, I think the toothpaste is out of the tube. Everybody knows that this, especially this next generation and whatever, I'll include myself. I'm still I'm still a millennial. We just keep getting older. Um, but Gen Z behind them and, and this Gen A that's coming up after them, um, that they care about this kind of stuff. And I, I, you see every company is out there talking about oh, we've done this. I mean, and it's really easy even in your industry to put out that marketing campaign that says, you know, like, well, we've helped. I mean, you can write anything you want on a website. We've helped 100,000 students boost their ACT score. And, you know, anybody that's worked with data knows you can make data tell whatever story you want. So it's it's kind of cool to see you pioneering this in that field as a B Corp because I think it also kind of challenges those other companies to like, hey, all my data has been, been challenged. All my data has been challenged and verified. Um, absolutely, and especially when you're talking about the counter narrative, I think because people expect the narrative from our company to be about, hey, look at the following professional athletes, male and female, that have come through her program. That's never been our narrative. Our narrative has always been if you are a student and your score is too low for you to have a full ride scholarship, then you need to prep again. And for some kids that are in the 30s, believe it or not, parents don't understand that score for the school that they want to attend is too low. I'll give you an example. I had a student with a 31 on an ACT where the 36 is the highest you can make, but she wanted to go to MIT. MIT's freshman class that year had an average score of a 35 out of 36. So literally when I called admissions with her on the phone, the admissions officer politely said, surely, there's another institution of higher learning that you would like to apply to for undergraduate and basically come back and see us for graduate school. And the poor little girl, like her whole life was just shattered. You know, she's just like, I I was like, but this is business and people need to understand that many schools look at who they admit based on who those people will be when they're alumni. And so they're going to protect their brands. And so that same little girl we took that 31 to a different school and she got a full ride scholarship plus an internship at NASA and then decided later on to go to MIT for grad school. So it's super important for parents to do the research and find out how much college they can fund based on those scores and those grades. Yep. Yeah. There were a couple schools, uh, everything, everything works out for a reason, but there were a couple schools. Yeah. That definitely got crossed off the list with like, Oh, we can figure it out. You're like, don't worry about it. I can read between the lines, dad. We're <laughs> We're not going there. Um, Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. So, yeah, once you go to that first information session, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of zeros. Um, so. We call them couple comma schools. Is that a couple comma schools? Like it's got two commas? 
in the final bit. Oh yeah, no. Yep. No. Um. So as we go back, like talking B Corp. So you're one of now. Well, you're the first three. Yeah, three there's three in Alabama. Um, but you're the first BIPOC. Well, you're the first BIPOC owned, little known BIPOC female owned. Um, you're the second female owned, first BIPOC female owned, second B Corp total in the state. So we got a lot of accolades we can give you here. <laughs> um, but there's now three. Um, talk about what that means to you in the state of Alabama, and then what. I don't even want to say why are there so few B Corps in Alabama. I want to say how do we get more B Corps in Alabama? I mean, I can go on and on about how, you know, I, I just honestly think it was nobody really ever promoted it down there. And then Nathan shows up and everybody suddenly wants to be a B. And then there was the best, the best salesman in the world right here um, well, for B Corps. I've tried other sales jobs I wasn't very good at. Um, but what is it? What is it about Alabama? What does it mean to you to have that distinction? What does it mean? Um, being in that state, what does it mean to see it grow? I mean, not just in Mobile, but I mean, now we've got Huntsville, Mobile, Birmingham, all on the map. Like what, what is, what, what do you see ahead in the B Corp space and the, like the purpose driven entrepreneurship, social impact space in Alabama? So it means the world to me. Um, many times in my life, I joke that I've been the first and the only this time I was the first, but I wasn't the only. And shout out to Laura Huckabee Jennings for being the first B Corp, the first female-led B Corp who literally took me under her wing and she was just like, you can do this. If you need anything, let me know. And she's the president of the International Women's Federation. So like, there were so many other things that opened up just by meeting her and meeting the Alabama Power Foundation. Just wanted to thank them for their support um of my process and yeah it it means a lot um at the time that i was applying to become a b corp i was working on my doctorate at the university of southern california the trojans and so it was amazing to me that i would go to these international conferences and you'd see states like california which has 320 plus you know b corps and they're like oh you're from alabama I'm like, yes. And they're like, and it would be crickets. It'd be like, so are they not doing meaningful work down there? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's not it at all. It's the fact that most of the people that are doing the work either have never heard of benefit corporations or have not been given access to know how to fill out the BIA assessment or with some of the, the um, potential B Corps that I've talked to, we're not in a financial position to pay the fee that's associated with becoming a B Corp. So when I think about the awesome responsibility that I have to bring more people that look like me to the table, when I say who look like me, who are people who are doing good work in their communities, um, I'm not necessarily saying that that has to be a black female. First of all, I want people who are doing good work in their communities to go through this process. But as for my authentic self, I absolutely believe that we're going to leverage that. And I'm working with several organizations like Tech 251, Innovation Portal, Regions Bank, to literally just have conversations in these spaces about what it is to be a benefit corporation and why they should apply. And I just feel like if we have more authentic conversations and these courageous conversations in these spaces, 
that maybe not necessarily were invited to the table or even knew there was a table to be invited to that you will see over the next few years, many, many more benefit corporations in the state of Alabama. And if I have anything to do with it, lots more BIPOC female benefit corporations in my state. We already doubled the number in the last week. We already went from one to two. In a week. In a week. 200% increase. I, mean, I told you, you can make data say, you can make data say whatever you want. Um um, no, I mean, it is, that way. it is incredible though. Like I'm really excited. Um, and this will be out long after she makes the announcement. So like, yeah, Rebecca Denson, it's such IT company. Um, we have other, we have others going through it too. Like, I think we're, we're getting ready for a couple verification calls. So I won't, I won't spill the society. Don't, and the rest don't, of like, don't steal that thunder. We'll just talk about the three right yeah. now. There are more. But yeah, poor Laura was there for like eight years by herself. Um, so, and just, and we're all, and we're all, and I know this will come out after Build Southeast, but we're all going to be at Build. Um, you're speaking twice. Laura's speaking. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Uh, awesome. Um, when you need a favor, yeah, call a friend. Um, but Laura's speaking. Um, Rebecca's going to be there with the tea and tabling and giving out and serving her tea. And Sarah's uh, spice packets are in the thank you bag. I mean, it's going to be trying to get as many um I'm, I'm trying to get as many eyeballs on alabama's growing b corp community because i think it still shocks people when i tell them that like oh yeah like the first cohort i did with a cohort of women founders was in alabama and they're like it just shatters right. it shatters some of these preconceived misconceptions you hear the glass shattering <laughs> they're like what alabama um but yeah. same thing. I mean, in the, just the South in general, you kind of have those mis, you know, misconceptions or whatever. Um, people that don't live here, and it's not a knock on them. I think we all kind of stereotype things sometimes just to save time and how we process information. But I'm ready for that uh, that quick <laughs> snap judgment of the South to be different um, when you're trying to save that time. And can we just can we just put in that I will say during my BIA verification call. Uh, my analyst was from another country and it's just the explanation of she, she was just like well we don't everyone gets access to education here like I don't understand why certain students don't get access and I was like the bigger questions why is the sky blue you know I, those are questions I cannot answer however they are not wicked problems and Sometimes even using the fact that I am a benefit corporation to attack those stereotypes or even to begin the conversations about those stereotypes. Yep. That's what B Corps lets you do. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent. What advice would you give to somebody if they're thinking about going through it, of going through the process? Do it. Do it. Don't think about it. Cause if you read all of the things that are required, you will not do it. You will be like, I don't have this. I cannot. I don't know what this term stands for. What's a what? And find a credible person or organization to walk you through it. I cannot tell you now that I am a B Corp, how many organizations have reached out to me to say, hey, we're a part of the B Corp community. And for this amount of money, you could do even this. I mean, like it threw me completely off because it was like, oh, now that you're a B Corp, we got our B Corp certification and we get funding for B Corps. And I was just like, 
do you have any idea who I am and what I stand for? Or is it that you just saw that I just popped up on the boom, B Corp list globally? So in anything, I mean, like I would say it's been the most enlightening experience for our business. It made us really know that we were very authentic in our mission and our vision. But I will say that if you're looking for a perfect organization, nothing is perfect. Everything is evolving. COVID has made us look at how we do business, even as benefit corporations, very differently. And so, you know, I'm very protective of that certification. So people are like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, it's like anything else. I can only point you in the path of the people that have made my B Corp experience be pleasant and lead to certification. I apologize for anyone that you may have had a previous experience with that put you through the process and you never got the intended outcome. So don't be upset. Let me point you in a different direction and let's look at the outcome in a different way. So I would say that um, I have met several people since I got my certification. They were like, Oh my God, like that happened so fast. It was like overnight for you. I was like, that was the longest <laughs> night ever. Yeah. We started working as about a year ago. Yeah. No, yeah, it was a, a year-long process. And I think that sometimes when people have unrealistic expectations, um, that that they don't persist to the end of the process. Like, it's iterative. It's emails and emails and I need this and can you do that? And have you thought about this? And maybe you need a new form for that. And have you ever thought about these things? But you won't know what you don't know until you go through the process. Like, I wish that there was this magic wand where people can, and then you just become a B Corp. But that's, that's not, yeah. that's not the BI assessment. That is not the process. And, so, and you can't just spend money. You can't just like throw money at the Oh, no. Like, no. You, can't, you gotta, I mean, you just like cut a check and then it just happens for you. And like, you don't have to do anything else. Is that what you're saying? It's like naming a building after itself on campus. You gotta. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You gotta, sure. Sure thing. Yeah. That was not my experience. If that was your experience, God bless you. But that 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 didn't happen. Yeah, you can't. You yeah. This is it's. I mean, it's earned, and you earned it. And I'm just excited too, because I I mean, you've been an amazing spokesperson even before you were certified. And I'm mean, I'm excited to do. I know we're going to try to do an event in November in Mobile and try Mobile. trying to get up back to Birmingham in probably early Q1. Just kind of keep we have momentum in Alabama now. Let's keep the. Um, Let's kind of keep the gas pedal down. I say we should be able to have six B Corps in Alabama by the end of Q3 next year. Oh, I think we might hit six by the end of 2023. Wow. I know, but but, but I was just, I, I know what's in the pipeline. So that was just easy for me to say. Now we just need, we need to, yeah. I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. Let's do it. Yeah. No, oh, trust me. There's a friendly rivalry between like, I'm always checking to see how many like Florida has and like, how many, like, just like that friendly state rivalry, though, of like how many B Corps? It's like an SEC thing, like, boils over into um, the people that love sustainability, too. So, well, for sure. I know we're about at time. I do love to ask one question. Like, is there anything else that you wish I would have asked you? No, I think you got it all. I try to remember everything. Um, you should put out a a, a, a B Alabama challenge that we could get a B court in all of the top five or top six counties in the state. You got the top three. 
But what about four, five, and six? Or even the top counties that are industrially growing because we are getting all of these international companies that are coming. So like for me, like, you know, when I went through Album Possible, we are now targeting those top six counties because we know if we can get the eighth graders on board and and good to go with their scores and graduating that they're going to go into the workforce i want to be able to say and guess what i got i got my bill covered with my b corp we've got a b corp covering kids in birmingham we've got huntsville but what about the other major industrial sites that are up and coming like i feel like they need to be our next set of targets all right, challenge accepted. Sounds like we're taking that conversation offline. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm here for all of it. Somebody asked me the other day, said, "Who should we put down right now as the contact for uh, Be Local Alabama?" As it's starting to become a thing, um, it's like a colony or whatever you want to call it now. I said, "For right now, unfortunately, it's still me." Um, but I'm going to do it until I can hand it yeah, off. Yeah, I brought and, that but- up. I brought that up too. I was like, because um, I just did the onboarding and they were like well who's over be local alabama i was like there isn't a be local alabama but if you want to know call nathan he could tell you oh they did (laughs) they did so well awesome valencia thank you so much for coming on i mean again i always feel like i'm just recording conversations with friends when i do this podcast and then we're sharing the conversation with the uh maybe we cut up a little bit more when we know we're not being recorded but i still feel like this was pretty authentically us this is it. It's all you get. 100% Valencia. Remember that Florida Gold orange juice commercial? I hated it when I was growing oh, up. God, now yeah. I want the rights. I want the rights <laughs> to it. I also want the rights to that song, Ring My Bell. Remember that? <laughs> I want them both. I'll see what I can do for Christmas. I'll work on it. I'll make a couple phone calls. So... <laughs> Awesome. Throw it into the universe. Thank you, Valencia. Bye. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be the Change Georgia. We're grateful, as always, for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.